Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to a Mouse Clubhouse conversation. All or nothing at all. Think it over. Half a love never appeals to me. If your heart never could Hi, this is Scott Wolf, and this conversation is with Peter Marshall. That's Peter that you hear singing All or Nothing at All from his 2011 CD entitled Let's Be Frank. I first met Peter back in 1985. I was doing cue cards at the time on a game show that Peter was hosting called All-Star Blitz. But Peter is better known as the host of the long-running Hollywood Squares, which ran from 1966 until 1981. One of the things I remember on All-Star Blitz is that many of the celebrities' responses, or even an answer to a question, would remind him of a song, and he would just start singing a little of it. He told me the powers that be would scream at him because they had to pay royalties, but that didn't stop him. (laughs) I have a great love of music, particularly the music of the big bands, and that's something I've always enjoyed talking about with Peter over the years. He was a singer during the height of the big band era. So when the Disney Channel decided to produce a show called Big Bands at Disneyland, Peter was the perfect choice to host it. The show took place at Disneyland's historic Carnation Plaza Gardens, where the greatest big bands in history performed over the years. And Peter hosted some of those bands in the series' 12 episodes. But Big Bands at Disneyland was not Peter's first association with Disney. When I interviewed Chuck Corson, the former director of entertainment for Disneyland and Walt Disney World, he told me he hired Peter to sing at the elegant Top of the World Club on the 15th floor of Walt Disney World's Contemporary Resort. In this conversation from 2007, Peter tells me, without cue cards I might add, about his career, beginning as an usher at New York's historic Paramount Theater when he was just 14 years old. Here's Peter Marshall. My first professional job was at the age of 15. Yeah, I had been a page boy at NBC when it was radio. I was the youngest page in the history of NBC. Yeah, that 15. I was 15. I was 6'3". I've been on my own since I'm 14. I was an usher at the Paramount, the world famous Paramount, when I was 14. And I was, I'd go to school, and I'd usher at night or I'd page at night. And uh, my sister Joanne, Joanne Drew, the actress, and my mother, we were all living in New York, and we had a girl live with us. Her name was Alice Walsh. And she married Bob D'Souza, and his father was chairman of the board of NBC. And so a little nepotism there, that's how I got the job. Oh. And uh, it was wonderful, you know, it was, uh, they taught you, if you wanted to go into sound effects, they had a sound effects school. They had all, me, I wanted to be a disc jockey at the time, or know about that anyway. And, and so I would, uh, I learned how to run a combination board, and which uh, came in very handy during the war. That's a long story. Anyway, I my sister was married to Dick Hames at the time, and he was very famous. He was singing with Harry James, and, and uh, I wanted to be a singer. And I emulated Bob Everly and, and Hames, and Sinatra was around. And, of course, I saw everybody at the Paramount. Wow. Uh, Peggy Lee, and when she was singing with Benny Goodman, and Sinatra was with Tommy Dorsey and on his own. And, and, uh, but I got a job uh, at the Adams Theater in Newark, New Jersey in the early 40s. Uh, with a band out of Detroit by the name of Bob Chester, so that was my first professional job. Wow. Mm-hmm. Did you have any training in singing? you got to remember, I'm not an opera singer. I'm not a Broadway, although I've done a lot of Broadway. I'm not, I, I sing ballads. I'm a, I'm a band singer. And fortunately for me, you can hear me on a stage. And so it was Broadway. I didn't have to belt like most people do. I have a, I guess, a frequency that kind of goes into the back. And uh, But... Uh, 
Yeah, so I, I used to I make like fifty dollars a week, and which in nineteen forty forty one forty two was a lot of money. Yeah. In fact, I was sent about thirty thirty five a week to my mother. Wow. And uh, yeah, so that's how I got started. Uh, that was my first professional job. Where did it go from there? Well, uh, I went back to school. I had no education whatsoever. The war was on. When I was seventeen, I decided I better go back to high school, and. Uh, I hadn't finished high school, so my home was Huntington, West Virginia. I went back to Huntington, finished high school, because if you didn't have a high school diploma during the war, uh, they, they put you right in the infantry. So uh, I went back, got a diploma, came out to California, and I wasn't quite 18. I guess it was 16 when I went back to school. And uh, I was drafted. I'm, a, I'm what they call a Cal vet. I was drafted here. Before you know it, I, I was... Uh, First thing you know, I was overseas, you know, wow. during the war. I served in Italy. Wow. But the uh, uh, interesting thing happened to me. Uh, after the war ended, they were going to ship us all to, uh, to Manila. We were going to invade Japan. And uh, I was walking down Via Roma in Naples, and a guy said, Hey, Laycock, which is my real name. And uh, I said, it's, It was John Raby. So happened he had been a radio actor at NBC when I was a page. And he was a I think he was either a captain or a major. I was a lowly private. He said, Where you, what's happening? He said, well, I'm, I'm with an artillery outfit. They're sending us to Manila. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I'm head of INE, which is Information and Education. He said, I got two job openings. Would you like to be a reporter or a disc jockey? Wow. I said, well, I don't spell that well, but I sure know how to run a board. So they made me a sergeant. And I actually became program director of AES Naples, American Expeditionary uh, Forces Radio in, uh, in Naples. I had a big 50,000-watt station that I ran. Wow. I was 19 years old, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So what kinds of shows did you have? Well, they used to have a thing called V-Discs. Uh, it was called Victory Discs, I guess. And they would send us a Jack Benny show and, and Burns and Allen and... Um, you know, people are funny. All of those shows. Yeah. So that's what we programmed. But I used to have a show. It was called "It's Eleven O'clock in Naples and Time for Yours for the Asking." It was a, uh, a disc jockey show heard all over Europe. And I used to play Sinatra and Hames and Bob Everly and Helen O'Connell and Helen Forrest and Harry Jane, Benny Goodman, all the great bands. And wow. and so uh, it was very popular all throughout Europe. Yeah. Because uh, the war had ended then, and uh, I didn't have enough points to go home. So I had to points. I didn't know points for every month you served, for every combat month you served, you would get certain points. Huh. And when you accumulated enough points, they would send you home. Oh wow! Yeah, I have never known about that. Yeah, and uh, so I had seen no combat. Thank goodness, I had seen a little of what you can't call it combat. Uh, a couple of bombings and things like that. I lost a lot of good friends, uh, but. Uh, I, I, so from 44 to 46, I was in Italy. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, all that going on, it's also when some of the best music came around. Oh, that's when music was music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, from 38 all through till after the war. And after the war, it sort of ended. The big bands, the people didn't want to go out as much anymore. They didn't, you know. Uh, television came in. The early television killed a lot of things, killed sure. motion pictures and especially nightclubs. <clears throat> now, of course, they've, they've since made a resurgence. And... Uh, but from 38, even earlier than 38, 30s and up until about 49, 50, 51, and then the band started kind of dwindling down. Wow. And uh, 
but that was the great era for me. Yeah. That was yeah. That's what I love too. But uh, yeah, I was very lucky. I grew up in a great era. I had a little. Yeah. I saw a little of vaudeville. Wow. Um, Did you actually you attended vaudeville? Uh, I well, yes. I really? saw. I saw like. Phil Silvers and uh, Rags Raglan, where they had a comedy team, Abbott and Costello, some great, great acts. And a lot of those acts I got to work with later on at the Latin Quarter in New York. And uh, But I came in at the right time. I saw a little vaudeville, but you could walk down Broadway, and there was the Paramount, the Capitol, the Strand, the, uh, the Roxy, uh, the Lowe's State. You'd see, there'd be Tommy Dorsey, Jimmy Dorsey, Benny Goodman, uh, you know, uh, whomever. Yeah. Uh, Playing all the things, then all the hotels, the Astor, the Commodore, the Edison, Pennsylvania, uh, they they all had bands. So there were bands everywhere. And so music was, and it was all great music. It's a great era. They were playing, you know, of course, the Gershwins and the Coles and the Kearns, but the young writers like uh, Johnny Mercer and and Sammy Kahn and Jimmy Van Hughes and Harry Warren, all those great composers, they were playing all their music. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was a great time. Yeah. And then we had radio, which uh, to me was uh, the, my favorite medium of all time. Hmm. With radio, you could build your own sets and cast your own people. Uh, you know, and uh, it, it, it just opened up the imagination so much. Yeah. And radio was quite wonderful in those days. And uh, the funny thing is, today I'm back on radio, of all things. Yeah. yeah. Doing music of your life? Doing music yeah. of your life. I've been doing it for years. Well, what happened with the, uh, your station uh, that you had when you were in the military? Uh, what happened? When when did that end? When oh, the military ended. Uh, in forty six. Military service. Oh, when I when I got out of the army, I went to uh, I went to Florida. And you just did you just when you were out of the army did you just have to leave the radio station at that time or? Oh well, yeah, yeah, sure. It it was was Actually, they offered me an offered me a commission to send me back to Fort Lee to make me a warrant officer or a second lieutenant. But I had been in the Army for two years, yeah. you know, I, 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 I did that. I wanted to go, I was going to be a star in about an hour and a half, you know. <laughs> and uh, it took me just a tad longer to become an entity, actually. <laughs> and uh, But I went to Florida, and I got a job in radio at Fort Pierce. Gave that up, went to Miami Beach, and I had a, I had a radio show where I sang. Oh. It's called Peter and the Wolf, and uh, <laughs> I have, my pianist was Wolf Catlett, and I used to do 15 minutes out of there. It was a CBS affiliate. We're kind of Peter and the Wolf here. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's so true. Peter and the Wolf, so what was that? It was just like 15 minutes every day of me singing and talking. Wow. Yeah. There were a lot of 15-minute shows in those days yeah. on radio. Uh, even Dinah Shore had a 15-minute yeah. show. Dick Hames, uh, Sinatra, uh, Jack Smith. Uh, they had, yeah, they had 15-minute shows. Interesting, wow. yeah. Huh. Did you sing at all during the period you were uh, in the military? Uh, yes, I did. I used to do shows. Oh, you did. And uh, and a couple of us we had put on different shows, but I don't know how good they were, but uh, at least we gave it a shot. Yeah. Wow. So then, what happened after that? You were. I went to Florida, and then I met my first wife. I went uh, to New York, where I struggled. Went to California, where I uh, did a, a couple of things. I had a group called the Upstarts. With yeah, some very talented people, people, yeah, they, the upset, Bill Norvis and and uh, Patty Thomas. If if you take a look at the old Bob Hope uh, USO tours, the early days, when he had Francis Langford, yeah. there was a blonde girl who danced. That was Patty Thomas. Oh. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and then I, well, that I didn't want to continue with the upstarts. 
I just wanted to be on my own. So I was offered a show by Ross Hunter. My first show, I, it was a musical called Tongue in Cheek, and I played the juvenile. And then I did, uh, I teamed up with a fellow who, uh, name was Tommy Noonan. We put an act together, and we were very successful for many, many years. A comedy act, right? Big comedy act, yeah. We were, we were on the West Coast, we were as big as Dean and Jerry, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What made you get into comedy away from the I, He was, my, my sister was dating his brother, and they married his, uh, the actor John Ireland. Uh, and my sister Joanne Drew, and so I met her, his brother, who was Tommy Noonan. They had different names, um, and uh, I owed—I can remember—I owed a dental bill of about sixty-seven dollars. I wanted to get it paid off, so I said, "Let's put something together." And uh, we we opened in a place called the Zambawanga down on Slauson here in L.A. And they picked us up, and then Billy Gray heard about us. We went into Billy Gray's Bandbox, which was very popular, and. Uh, it was a very Jewish audience, and we were these two goyim up there, <laughs> and they loved us. Really? And we weren't out of work for two years. We went from all over L.A. to, to, thing, to the Vegas. We opened the Desert Inn in 1950. Wow. We uh, went east. We worked the Latin Quarter. We worked the, the uh, Martinique in New York. We were really, really hot, wow. really big, and we were awfully good. And you got your dental bill paid off? Got my dental bill paid off. <laughs> wow, that's something. Yeah. Gee. So, so then after that... From Tommy Noonan, we uh, we broke up because uh, he was signed at Fox. Uh, we were supposed to do Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. We were signed as a team opposite Marilyn Monroe and Jane Russell. And Daryl Zanuck was in New York and caught a kid by the name of Elliot Reed in a show and signed him, unbeknownst to him that we, they had signed us as a team. So they paid me off. Tommy did Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. He played Gus. And... Uh, they, they loved him so much they signed him to a contract, so he couldn't really go on the road. So I teamed up with Glenda Farrell, very famous star at one time at Warner's, her son, Tommy, Tommy Farrell. And we were together for about four years. The Monty Prozer, wonderful producer who opened the Copacabana, he, started, he had opened the Tropicana in Vegas. And he said, if you and Tommy get back together, I'll give you a job for six months to a year. Wow. So we got back together and we stayed together for about two years that I was offered a job to go to London mm-hmm. with Cheetah Rivera to do Bye Bye Birdie. Really? Uh-huh. Wow. And so I said, Tommy, I don't want to do this anymore. And he understood. And, and I went, and that started me on my own, 61. After that, I went to Vegas. I did, I did more book shows in Vegas, High Button Shoes, Anything Goes, uh, Bye Bye Birdie in Vegas with the New York Company, Panama Hattie. And then I uh, was signed to go to New York with Julie Harris to do Skyscraper. I was her leading man at Charles Nelson Riley. And uh, the day after I finished that, after about a year or so, I came home. They offered me a job called the Hollywood Squares. <laughs> I thought it was a 13-week job, and it turned really? into 16 years, yeah. So they knew you from your shows? Is that what Oh, yeah. You had never done a game show. I'd never done a game show. Oh, actually, I did a show out here called Stimulus yeah. for a friend of mine, Tom Nodd. I only did about seven or eight shows on a local channel, just for fun. And so, but I didn't really do a game show. I didn't do, knew nothing about game shows. <laughs> wow. But they needed somebody who had worked with comics, and I had been a straight man all those years. So and that's true. I mean, you were really a straight man for that. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much what your job well, that's was. That's exactly <laughs> my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I would work Vegas so while I was doing squares. I'd work Vegas about 26 weeks a year. Doing concerts or shows? I, I did an act, and I opened for everybody. Wow. I opened for Cosby and for, for Jerry Lewis and for the... 
uh, Mills Brothers and wow. oh, take a look in the den. I opened for the the world, you know. Wow. Yeah, Joan River. And that was during the Hollywood Square. So you were doing. Yeah. That. Mm -hmm. Wow. Then did I had the you, Peter uh, Marshall Variety Show. I right. did that, yeah, and uh, it was about two years. But do you consider yourself more of a singer, entertainer? Or? Oh, yeah, I'm a singer. If somebody says, what do you do for a living? I sing. That's what I do. Yeah. I've did done four concerts this month. Yeah. I'll be at, uh, on August the 12th, I'll be at uh, Thousand Oaks Performing Arts Center doing a concert with a wonderful band called the Alumni Band. <clears throat> and uh, I did a show night before last at uh, Leisure World, and the week before that it was at Laguna Woods. Then I did a show at the Brentwood Theater here in L.A. with uh, Shirley Jones and uh, Pam Dauber and Hal Linden and, uh, uh, oh gosh, 10 stars, John Schneider. We did a thing called uh, TV Icons from Broadway. People who became famous on television who had starred on Broadway. Yeah. We did a wonderful evening. It was a great evening. Wow. That was about two weeks ago. Florence Henderson was in it, Michelle Lee. Yeah. That's great. And you said the Peter Marshall Variety Show uh -huh. was uh, after Hollywood Squares. During. Oh, that was during? Uh -huh. It was really? on uh, Westinghouse, yeah. And it, was a full it was 90 minutes every Sunday night. Mm -hmm. How about that Kellogg's commercial? I did 35 of them. That was real early in your career, right? That was, uh, that's how, well, let me see. The Kellogg's commercial was probably not like 1963 and four. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And that's... When they saw my Kellogg's commercial, one of the producers of Squares' wives said, that's the guy you sh should look at. Uh, he's, he's a part of a comedy team. And they called me. And it's, uh, timing is everything in the business. The show closed a week earlier than we should have in, uh, in New York, Skyscraper. Had that run another week, I would never have, they would have gotten somebody else. They were talking to Dan Rowan. Wow. And two days after I arrived home, a week early, I got the call. Wow. So had that happened, I would never have done squares. Wow. You take a left instead of a right, your life changes. It's yeah. amazing. You enjoyed it, though. Well, I love I doing mean, squares. Oh, gosh, yeah. It's the most fun. I mean, I, I didn't have to rehearse. Yeah. I didn't have to learn anything. I just walked in, read questions, and laughed. Yeah. They paid me a ton of money, and it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about the Disney thing you were telling me earlier? Oh, I've done a lot of stuff. Yeah, I've done so much stuff. And when Disney started the channel... Uh, I can't remember the guy who started it. He was a lovely, lovely man. <clears throat> and he asked Steve Allen and myself to do like 24 hours of interviews. And I interviewed everybody. We were at the studio. And I got to, I forget who, but I can remember a wonderful interview with Ralph Bellamy and people that had done Disney films. And Steve and I did all of those. And then they said they had a thing called Big Bands at Disneyland. Now, before we get to that, what were the interviews for? What Were, were they on air? They were on air. Yeah, they would be like little sound bites. Oh, wow. You know, between shows. And wow. they would, uh, you know, now here's another Disney star. Bang. You know, that kind of thing. Little sound bites. A minute here, 30 seconds there. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. There were so many. The Disney people called me and said, would you like to host Big Bands at Disneyland? I said, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, your host for Big Bands at Disneyland, Peter Marshall. Good evening. Good evening and welcome to the Disney of Big Band. Correct. The Plaza Gardens and the Magic Kingdom of Disneyland. Tonight, stand by for some nostalgia. A lot of excitement as we go flying home with the Goodwill Ambassador of Music, the King of the Vibes, ladies and gentlemen, Lionel Hampton and the Big Band. 
and you know, I got to, I got to interview. I, I did. I would introduce them, do an interview, and then take them off. But I mean, we had people like, uh, let's see, we had uh, Cal Basie's orchestra, Glenn Miller, Woody Herman, where I interviewed Woody, Cab Calloway, I interviewed Cab, Bob Crosby, I interviewed Bob Crosby, and we had. Uh, like K-Star was the girl singer. Oh, okay. L.M.A. Morris was singing. I had the Ray McKinley, wow. the Jimmy Dorsey band, the Artie Shaw band, directed, uh, conducted by Artie Shaw. Wow. I interviewed Artie Shaw, Lionel Hampton. That was the best band of all, by the way. Yeah. Les Brown, that, a Tommy yeah. Dorsey band, and Buddy Rich, who was an old friend. So it was fun. It was a great series to do. Yeah. We'd do one a week. I think we did it in the year. I've got something here. It was, uh, I think it was 84? 84, yeah. Does that sound right? And I, it, like uh, June of 84 it started. And it ran through uh, September. Yeah, you got to uh, sit down with all the people and interview them. And right. Were they short interviews? Uh, or were they Yeah, three minutes maybe. I mean, on the air I know that they were that long. But yeah, they, they're what you saw. They're just little interviews. And, uh, you know, I'd say to Artie, I said, now, come on, there's got to be... A, I clear that in your closet, so yeah. you know, and that kind of thing. And and Lionel Hampton, he was so fun to interview. He was so bright, you know. Uh, you asked him about the, his favorite instrument to play, and he could. Oh yeah, because he played so many. Yeah. He was a drummer, his vibra harpist. He also played guitar and, and bass. Yeah. But he was, I think, the, his favorite, if I recall, was vibra harp. Did you know a lot of those people before you? I I did. Yeah. Uh, I I look at the list. Uh, I've got. Uh, I didn't know Woody Herman. Uh, I, I'd worked with Cab Calloway years ago at the old Chi-Chi in Palm Springs. Wow. And Bob Crosby I, I ran into. And K-Star I know quite well. And, and uh, Ray McKinley I did not know. And uh, I, I knew most of the musicians, though. Oh, did you? Except the young guys. Like Buddy Rich always had kids out of North Texas State. They were 18, 19, 20, 23-year-old kids. So I didn't know any of them. But I, like the Tommy Dorsey, I knew Buddy Morrow. And I knew uh, Connie Haynes, who, the girl singer. Oh, yeah. and I knew all the singers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of the musicians. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was really the end of it. I mean, by the 80s, a lot of them were getting older. and. Uh... Yeah, I'm about the only guy left who sang with his bands and they can talk about it and when I do my concerts I talk about the days and but it was a great era and I'm glad I was a small part of it we hope you've enjoyed this mouse clubhouse conversation thank you for joining us